Well, good morning. It's great to see you today. My name is Steve Murphy. I'm one of the ministers here at Discover. If you're a guest, we especially welcome you. And if you would uh, take a couple minutes after the service, if you already haven't done so, just pop by the uh, Welcome Center. There are some people there that would love to meet you and tell you more about Discover, hear a little bit more about your life, um, give you a gift. So we'd love to make that connection if you're able to do that for just a couple minutes right after the service. Um, we are in Philippians chapter 3 today. So I just want to let you know, uh, if you have your Bible... We, we love it when people bring their printed Bible. We love it when people bring their electronic Bible. Um, it's the Word of God either way. We just want to know, uh, we want everybody to know that this is what we base who we are, what we believe and all that stuff on. So your Bible is really, really important. So please, please, please bring that with you. But before we jump into Philippians chapter 3, uh, I just want to share two more Discover 100 stories um, from this past uh, December. So here we go. One life group used the money to buy hundreds of dollars of supplies for the homeless, sleeping bags, gloves, hats, and scarves. And here's a, a note from uh, the leaders of that homeless ministry. They said, we were able to share many of your donations today. Smiley face. This is Jane, not her real name, who lives in a van. Sad face. She was very blessed by the hat and scarf, and she said it gets cold at night. So thank you and blessings to you and your life group. Another group gave uh, all of their funds to a, a family with a young man who's facing a rare type of uh, blood cancer. And uh, they, they found it in 2013. He went through about a year and a half of treatments in and out of uh, Children's Hospital. Really, really challenging time. Uh, about 18 months later, he was able to return to, to high school, graduate with his friends, and uh, he began in college. Um, and things were looking really, really good. But this past fall, uh, the symptoms, the cancer returned. And so the family, that young man, they are facing together a difficult road. Um, but I wanted to just let you know that, that your prayers for them, for all of these people that we try to reach, are really significant. And uh, the, the leader of the group wrote this note in reference to this situation. It said, we unanimously, we unanimously chose to bless this family and pray continuously for a miraculous outcome. Already this donation has reminded the family that they are not alone. God is working through other people, such as doctors and nurses and friends and our church to show how much he cares. So again, we just want to say thank you for giving to Discover 100. Thank you for giving uh, the first Sunday of the month to Discover 1. Thank you for giving every week, um, however frequently you give, um, as God has uh, set it up for you in your life, um, to be a part of the ministry here at Discover. Financially, it really does make a difference. And again, there are offering boxes that you can use. Um, Teresa and I do ours electronically, straight from our bank to discover no fees everybody gets hundred percent it's awesome and uh, we love to see that but um, it's just really exciting to be involved in something that's making a huge difference not only here but into eternity so again thank you so all right we're gonna jump right into Philippians chapter 3 and uh, today we're gonna finish our series called remember to breathe remember to breathe um, and this is all from the book of Philippians. Uh, in the first week, we learned that it's easier to breathe when we have a connection with God and with others, with the people around us. In week two, we learned that it's, we're able to breathe as we live spiritually healthy lives. And we can't do that on our own. We have to be empowered by God. In week three, we learned that with the right approach, right prayer, right thinking, and right living, that our stress and our worry can diminish significantly. 
Last week we learned that nothing compares to our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That everything else is really, in comparison, trash. And today, we conclude by asking this question, all right? I see that this is a good way to live, but is it sustainable? Is it possible to really live this way? And Paul, who wrote this letter to the people in the church at Philippi, says, yeah, it is. And he's going to show us how. You know, there's a lot of talk today about sustainable living, which is a good thing. God created the world. We're going to talk about that next week. But God created the world, and then he said, people, I want you to take care of it. So it's our responsibility as people created in the image of God to take care of the planet. And we need to do that. So we don't worship the earth, but we worship the God who created it and said, manage this. Take care of it. So physically, it's really good for us to live a sustainable kind of existence. But it's also really important for us to have a spiritual life that is sustainable. And that's what we're really talking about today. So what does it look like? Well, one really good example is given to us in Philippians chapter 3. And we're going to start in verse 12. Paul says, not that I have already obtained all of this, which if you look back is this perfect relationship with God. He says, I haven't really obtained that yet, and I haven't arrived at the goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This text gives us some really good ideas of what it means to live sustainably. First, a sustainable life is relentless. Relentless. There's a key phrase in verses 12 and 14, and it's this, press on. Press on. That, those two English words come from a single Greek word, diako, which means to endlessly and relentlessly pursue the goal. So verse 12 could read like this. I, I endlessly and relentlessly pursue this goal to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And verse 14 clarifies what that is. I endlessly and relentlessly pursue this goal to win the prize for which God, God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul says I do one thing that has two parts. Those two things are to forget and to focus. Forget and focus. First, in verse 13, he says we need to forget what's behind us. Forget it. Now, I, I find that kind of interesting because as soon as I try to forget something, what happens? You remember it because you're trying to forget it, right? I'm going to forget that I did that. I, I'm going to forget I got a, a bad grade in that class. I'm going to forget that I talked to that person that way. I'm going to forget. You can't forget it because as soon as you try to forget it, you're, by definition, are bringing it to memory, Right? Is it possible to obliterate these realities from our past? Well, that's not what the idea here is at all. Here's what this means. Remember means to bring things from the past into the present so that they're going to affect you. That could be positive, but in this case, we're thinking 
that has a negative impact. And forgetting is exactly the opposite of that. Forgetting is to leave the things that are in the past right where they are, in the past. That's what it means to forget them. Paul would not be controlled by his past. And he had both positive and negative things that could have controlled him. Remember, he, he persecuted the church. He, he saw that Christians were killed. That was his goal. And when he met Jesus, it was a pretty interesting conversation because Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? Jesus took it personally. And that's not the only time Jesus says that he takes the way that we treat other people personally. Jesus in Matthew 25 says, you know, the way that you treat the most marginalized people in a typical society is exactly how you are treating me. The things that we do that are wrong, the things that we don't do that are right, those are personal offenses to God. But, wonderfully, by God's grace, the Holy Spirit lets Paul know that, that there's a beautiful opportunity for us if we are followers of Jesus. That however we've offended God, we confess that. And then we leave it. And we let God take that trash away and bury it. So the bad stuff that we've done, we need to forget about it. Let God take care of it. But Paul also could have been influenced in a negative way by positive things in his past. If you remember last week, we talked about these, these positive things that were in Paul's life. He, he had a wonderful spiritual heritage. He, he knew the law. He was a, a leader in the, in the spiritual movement. He said, if I could be if anyone on this earth could be proud, it would be me. But he said, you know what? All of that stuff is rubbish. It's junk. And it's dung, if you remember from last week. And I just, I just say, in comparison to Jesus, it's nothing. Nothing compared to knowing Jesus. And that's what's happening here in this. Our relationship with God is never fully developed, just like a relationship with any person is never fully developed. It continues to grow. It continues to deepen. It continues to evolve over time. So Paul says, I haven't arrived yet at this place of a perfect relationship with God. He hasn't obtained all this, as he says. Because a relationship with Jesus, by definition, says, I admit that I am imperfect. And if we realize, having a relationship with Jesus, that we are imperfect, then why would we expect people who don't have a relationship with Jesus to be any better? So we speak the truth, but we always speak it in love, knowing how much we need Jesus ourselves. So first, we relentlessly forget what's behind, whether it's good or whether it's bad. And that allows us to relentlessly focus on what's ahead. Paul says we're being called heavenward, and so we keep climbing. 
when we lived in Venezuela, there was a mountain range called the Avila in Caracas. And uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful mountain range. About 7,500 feet or so at its peak. And um, I always wanted to climb to the top. And our kids were really young, and uh, we decided it probably wasn't the best idea to try to take them uh, up with us. So I decided one day, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm doing this. I'm going by myself. And fortunately, I wasn't by myself because God was with me. But in terms of a person, I was there by myself. Brilliant move. Brilliant, yes. So um, in Venezuela, like in Caracas, it's always like between 70 and 80 degrees. You know, it's really nice weather, except when the rain comes. And I was about halfway up the mountain, and the rain came. And if you've ever been in a tropical storm, it's called that for a reason. I mean, it is massive, and it's not just like rain. It's like the sideways rain, you know, and trees are falling over, and houses are blowing past me. Not really, but anyway, it was a lot of rain, and uh, it was just torrential. And the path that I was walking on, which, of course, I had no idea where I was going. All I knew is there was the top, and I was going to get there, and I'm on this path. The path became like a little river, so not only was I walking on a path I didn't know where it was going, it was like inundated with stuff, you know? And I have to tell you, there, I've done a few things in my life, but this was not the simplest thing I've ever done. Sitting on the couch, hitting the remotes a little easier. This was something that needed a lot of stress or, or strain, you know? I had to work at it. So I did. And um, I was praying a lot, obviously. And, and what was really cool is I, I finally made it. I got to the top. And it was an awesome experience because in Caracas, when you get to that point, if you look to one side, there's the ocean. And if you look the other way, there's Caracas. And Caracas can be really beautiful, like when you get far away. It's just a really pretty thing. So it was a lot of work. Didn't know where I was going. There was a lot of rain, but it was worth it. And I was thinking about our lives isn't that true? I mean, we're, we're just walking along. We're journeying through life. We know the goal. We know we're supposed to be climbing upward. And then the rains come. And, man, sometimes they are sideways rains. And while we see the goal, the path is a little unclear. We don't know exactly where we're headed. And it's not easy to, relentless, to relentlessly keep pressing on. But God is with us in the storm, and he's greater than the storm. And God is the path, and his word illuminates it, and he's with us every step of the way. And when we don't have the strength to go on, God says, when you're weak, I will be your strength. And when we reach the summit, it's absolutely going to be worth it. So how do you live a sustainable life? Well, the first thing is to be relentless. Relentlessly forget what's behind and relentlessly focus on what's ahead. Press on. So when distractions come, forget and focus. Say, I'm being called heavenward. When discouragement clings to you, forget and focus. When depression tries to pull you down, forget and focus. I'm being called heavenward. When guilt weighs on you, 
forget, and focus. When pleasure tries to sidetrack you, forget and focus. Say, I'm being called heavenward. When achievement beckons you, forget and focus. When sorrow and suffering slow you, forget and focus. Remind yourself, I am being called heavenward. How do you live a sustainable life? You forget the trash that the devil keeps bringing up. You're forgiven. And the stuff that you've been trying to achieve really doesn't make that much difference in the long run compared to your relationship with Jesus. So so don't focus on that. Instead, focus on the goal ahead. Keep going, knowing that because of your relationship with God through Jesus, as we've sung already, we win. So forget and focus. The second thing Paul tells us to do is found starting in verse 15. So let's just read that real quickly. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in, everybody say it together, our citizenship is in where? Heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies, hallelujah, so that they will be like his glorious body. So a sustainable life is relentless, and a sustainable life is responsible. It's mature. We have a small garden each year, and one of the things I love to do is to go out when the tomatoes are mature and just pluck them off the vine and eat them. It's fantastic. That's the idea here, that something is mature. It's, it's ready. And again, Paul isn't saying he has fully developed perfection in his life. Not at all. What he's saying is that God has made his heart mature. His perspective is mature. His worldview is mature. And Paul used to imitate a lot of other things, but now he imitates Jesus. And Paul used to demonstrate a lot of things, but now he demonstrates the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And that's the idea here with maturity. To be responsible means to imitate Jesus and to demonstrate the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And that happens when we discover we are citizens of heaven, not earth. Now, this would have resonated really well with the people who received this letter because they were citizens of Rome, but they didn't live in Rome. And Paul himself was a citizen of Rome. He was also a citizen of Israel. So he had this amazingly powerful and wonderful blessing of being with Rome. Again, a powerful state, a powerful government. And he had this incredible spiritual blessing of being part of Israel, a huge spiritual blessing. But Paul said, I, I, 
I just don't worry about those things. I don't focus on those things now. Those are things of the past. Those are things of earth. And his goal was to focus on heaven. So as followers of Jesus, we really need to get this idea into our brains that our citizenship is in heaven, which means we eagerly await for Jesus to return and take us home. We sang about it. Like a bride waiting for her groom, we'll be a church ready for you. Every heart longing for our king. So we sing, even so come, Lord Jesus, come. Remember, this is not our home. Now, obviously, we live on earth, and we should be responsible here and have influence as followers of Jesus. But sometimes we can get so distracted by what's happening here that we forget to focus on the things that are going to matter forever. And one very pertinent example, pertinent example of that is our current political situation. Now, yes, we should be engaged, but we should not be engulfed. There's a huge difference. Our country is so divided, it's an opportunity for the church to be united. But we're not going to be united by politics. Guess what? Everybody in this room did not vote for the same president. We didn't. I guarantee it. We're not going to be united by politics. We're going to be united by the Holy Spirit and by our passion for Jesus and by our love and by our purpose. And and I say this with all the love in my heart. Jesus is not a Republican. And he's not a Democrat. And he's not a Libertarian. I suppose he's independent if he's anything because he's Jesus. No political party is fully aligned with God. And if you believe that it is, you need to get out of the heavenly stuff and look at the heaven. I mean, get out of the earthly stuff and look at the heavenly stuff because they're different. And when I, when I remember that, which is rare, <laughs> then I'm convinced that I should spend more, uh, less time on Facebook and more time in the book. Maybe that I should spend a little less time watching Fox News or CNN or CNBC or or listening to the talking heads on radio and more time listening to what the Word of God and the Holy Spirit have to say. Less time talking about people and more time face-to-face with people, loving them, serving them, sharing the good news of Jesus. And definitely spending more face time with God. Now that's me. How about you? In case you're not bothered yet, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to offend everybody today. Maybe you're, honestly, you're, that, that's really not a big, big deal to you. You're like, you know, that political thing, I'm not all involved in that. How are you doing with, like, your sports stuff? How much time you spend in there in sports? Or Netflix. Oh, man, first hour people were like, oh, he said Netflix. Yeah, by the way, we have, I'm, I'm into these things myself, so I'm just saying. YouTube, spend any time there. And be honest, some of you are like totally into cat videos, just, you know, <laughs> fess up. Makes me feel good. 
Again, the Holy Spirit is speaking to me on this, but I sense that this may apply to some of you as well. And if it does, I mean this with all my heart, I hope that it's not my words that are having any conviction, but it's the Word of God and the Holy Spirit that are doing that. As mature followers of Jesus, as citizens of heaven, our minds are supposed to be on heavenly things, not so much on the things of this earth. And that's why I love our vision so much as a church. It, it helps me to keep the right worldview, keep the things that are important, important, the main thing, the main thing. So we want to be a church that reaches into the community and loves people wherever they are and imitates Jesus seeking real life change and duplicates this process by making disciples. In other words, mature Christians reach the people around them Mature Christians, they, they love people where they are, but love them too much to let them stay there. Mature Christians imitate Jesus seeking real-life change, and mature Christians duplicate this process by making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And that is a spiritual life that is sustainable. That's what Jesus did. That's who Jesus is. So as followers of Jesus, that's what we're called to do and who we're called to be. And Paul says something interesting here. He says uh, his life is a model for us to follow. Now, that sounds a little bit arrogant, doesn't it? I mean, when you first read it, it sounds kind of arrogant. But there are two reasons why it's not. One is because we have the context of another letter that he wrote to the Corinthian church. And in chapter 11, verse 1, Paul says, I want you to follow me as I follow Jesus. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So Paul's saying, if I'm not following Jesus, don't follow me. The idea is that you're still following Jesus. You're not following Paul. You're just following Paul as Paul follows Jesus. And here's another reason why it's not arrogant. Again, last week we saw that Paul made this list of accomplishments and things that he said were wonderful but really weren't. They were just essentially nothing. Garbage. And the one and only thing that makes life right is a relationship with Jesus. Paul followed Jesus so closely that he began to imitate Jesus and he began to demonstrate the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And that's a testimony not to Paul, but to God. Like Paul, mature Christians realize that what we do essentially amounts to nothing. It's like garbage that needs to be taken away and buried. On the other hand, we recognize that what God does is everything. And here's what's really cool. What God produces is perpetual. It never ends. So we imitate Jesus, and then we demonstrate the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and that fruit never ends. You can give away love, and you end up with more of it. It's kind of like the ultimate recycling program. So, we have love and we give it away. We have joy. This is the fruit of the Spirit. Peace. We, we just hand this out. Patience. I'm not so good with that one, but I'm just saying. Kindness. We demonstrate that and it comes back to us. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. And self-control. And, and the cool thing is the more you live these out, honestly, the more you end up with so you have more love, more joy, more peace, more patience, more kindness, more goodness, more faithfulness, 
more gentleness, and more self-control. And the reason we have more of that, no matter how much we give it away, is not because of us. This is not the fruit of the John. (laughs) This is not the fruit of the Kathy. This isn't the fruit of the Mark. This isn't the fruit of the Sarah. This is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And I guarantee you it's not the fruit of the Steve. It's not even close. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And like last week, we ended up with only Jesus. We end up with the Holy Spirit. Another person of God. The supply never ends. This is better than recycling. (laughs) Because the Holy Spirit is limitless. So sustainable life is responsible. It's mature. And it's relentless. We press on. And this life is possible because we know who God is and we know who we are in God through our relationship with him because of Jesus. And so, no matter what happens, we can breathe. In the 1870s, Horatio Spafford uh, was a successful lawyer, very successful in Chicago, had a lot of money, very heavily invested in real estate. And so when the great Chicago fire happened in 1871, it destroyed all of his downtown investment properties, all of them. So he restarted, and by 1873, he was doing pretty well again, and his family decided they were going to go to Europe, and uh, they were going to help out some with, uh, with Dwight Moody and Ira Sankey, who were doing um, these wonderful revival tours, talking about Jesus to people. But he needed to finish up some work in Chicago, so his wife and his four daughters, who were ages 11, 9, 7, and 2, got on a boat and headed out. And when they were at sea, their ship ran into another ship, and in 12 minutes, it sank. And he lost all four of his daughters. Only his wife was saved. Even after that horrible incident, and actually because of that horrible incident, because he had a relationship with God, he was able to write the words to the song, It Is Well With My Soul. Now, I knew that part of the story of that song, but I didn't know this, that the man who wrote the music to that song, Philip Bliss, also has a a pretty powerful, tragic story. Shortly after he wrote the the music to It Is Well With My Soul, Philip Bliss was traveling along with his wife. Um, They were going to Chicago on a train. And when they were in Ashtabula, Ohio in the late 1800s, the train trestle collapsed, and their train plummeted 75 feet. Philip Bliss was able to exit through a window, but his wife was trapped. And so he went back in to get her, and that's when the train caught fire. And neither one of them came out alive. Not in this earth. It's amazing to me, but it's true, that those men said, no matter what happens, it's well with my soul. 
they would tell us today, no matter what you're facing, be relentless in pursuing a relationship with God. And be responsible once you have that relationship and live as Jesus would live. Demonstrate the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And remember to breathe. So we're going to be singing that very song, It Is Well With My Soul. I just encourage you to focus on your relationship with God. And if if that's something that needs to begin or needs to begin again, you want to talk about what that looks like, then I'll be up here. You're welcome to come forward as we sing. I'll talk with you. We can pray together and, and just think about that. What a blessing we have to know who God is and who we are. And no matter what happens, we can say, it really is well with my soul. Let's stand and sing.